0: Hello, this is Jay Merck, and you're tuning in live to OK Let's Talk podcast, based out of the wonderful Windy City. And tonight's episode is going to be the first installment of music. Uh, I deemed it sufficient to to talk about this uh, now that we're on the subject of frequencies, and we got that out of the way, so we can get into the higher forms of frequency-based art. So this will be the first installment and what what more of a better topic to talk about uh, because it's still fresh in my mind and the experiences and it's my most recent project, but I will talk about uh, Never Die Easy, the EP that I've just released on Postpartum Records, and we'll talk a little bit about that and the backstory and how it all came together and why it's 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 on vinyl and why I'm worth with Postpartum and why. Uh, it, it, why it looks and feels the way it does. We'll, we'll get into the aesthetics about it. But first and foremost, I like to say a quick disclaimer: the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed tonight in in the podcast are that of a reflection of my own solely and not anyone else. So let's get that out the way. So yeah, um, I don't know if you have the record or not, but if you want to like you know pick it out the crate, take a look at it, hold it in your hands as I'm doing so for reference. Um, so yeah, J Merck, Never Die Easy, the EP on Postpartum Records. Postpartum is a record label based out of Edelsfield, Germany, which is in Bavaria, and they're at the forefront of what is called the uh, quote lo-fi hip hop and quote community. They're one of the uh, forefront labels. There's there's a handful of labels out there that, that put out quality lo-fi releases, but postpartum is definitely at the helm. At the top of, of what's going on. Um, lo-fi hip-hop, if you're not familiar, it is a new uh subgenre of hip-hop that is very nostalgia-based. And they want to make or emulate uh, beats that sound like golden era hip-hop. Which is a term that we use to describe hip-hop music that came out of the the, the mid to late 80s to... Uh, about 95, so the mid 90s. That's considered the golden era. So, uh, what the lo fi community does is they take their beats and they oscillate the frequencies and filter them and uh, kind of dirty them up and, and make them sound a little bit more uh, lower bandwidth, lower of a bit rate. They, they make them sound a little dirty, a little grungy, you know. Uh, they want to make a, a sound that's very similar to the early boombat records of of the golden era hip-hop. And there's a huge following of of this uh, subgenre, particularly online in the online communities like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even YouTube channels. Uh, there's all kinds of producers that are, you know, just taking the minimalist approach to production and they're just using a, a piece of hardware or a couple pieces of old-school hardware. Or maybe they might use, you know hardware and software in conjunction and there's all kinds of filters and stuff on on the software that you could use to to achieve a, the, the same desired effect but mostly these producers are using machines like the uh the Cos SP-404 um the uh EMU SP1200 the Akai MPC uh, 2000 2000 XL even earlier stuff like the 60 II um, they're also using the ASR10 by Ansonic um sometimes they're using software like FL Studio or Logic Pro Tools Ableton and just using filters and they're oscillating the the sound uh if you're familiar with the last episode about frequencies I talked a little bit about the the high frequencies and the low frequencies so when you're using when you're creating music digitally on a digital audio workstation, such as like a computer with like a software program. When you're making beats on there, you're you're making production at the highest possible sound wave, the highest frequency, the highest bit rate, which I believe is like 32 bits. And they're scaling it down and truncating it and compressing it down and filtering it to make it sound like a lower frequency. So they're lowering the bit rate. So from 32 to 16 to 16 to 12, 12 down to 8. So 8 8 to 12 bits is kind of like that lo-fi grungy sound, which is reminiscent of the early uh, beat machines and, and midi production control centers of the 80s and 90s. So they're they're very much a nostalgic-based subgenre of hip hop that's gaining popularity and like I said there's a there's a few labels out there that are pushing this genre but Postpartum is at the helm they're at the forefront and uh just the, the releases they put out they just they're really awesome and I'm not only an artist on this label but I'm also, you know, a fan of theirs. I I get support and I purchase their drops sometimes just to show my support like I have their b-tapes, I have their they're vinyl. And, you know, I'm a little spoiled because, you know, being an artist on the label, you get, like, showered with, like, all the, all their drops and stuff like that and stickers and, and it's just, like, it's hard not to, to buy, uh, it's kind of like they, they really in, like, here's all our products and then, like, you're, like, a dope fiend itching for more and scratching your neck and then you're, like, fuck, I have to spend, like, a hundred dollars. On, on records and cassettes and stuff like that, but it's so worth it. Like their drops are amazing. Uh I can't I can't stress enough how awesome mm-hmm. this label is. And I just want to say big shout out to Mario and Satu at the label. Um, the, when they worked with me they showed me nothing but respect and they they didn't restrict my art artistic integrity. They let me do whatever I want. They they met all my demands and then some and I I made it really easy on them. They really made it easy on me. They have their own team. I had my team, and we kind of just like merged teams together, and uh, that's why I'm an executive producer, and, and as well as as he is Mario from the label, because uh, it was like a really a team effort bringing all these different people together, and micromanaging you know him and his team, and then me with my team, and uh, building around different people's schedules timeframes. Uh, egos, uh, prices, uh, wh- whatever it is, uh, just managing talent. You really have to be like a coach, um, and and how I linked up with postpartum is through through the internet, through these online communities. You know, lofi hip hop cassette collectors. You just you just link up with people, man, and and they're also fans of mine as well. So it it like it worked out like serendipitously. You know, we were both kind of looking for each other, and then we met and. We built a relationship and and we were like cool with each other and talking and then all of a sudden, hey, we should put out a project and then uh he started dropping vinyl and then um when i when I first started connecting with him, they were just putting out cassettes at the time, so it was really awesome to be a part of their progression and just see them develop and grow to what they are now and uh I'm, i don't, I don't know his plans and how how much longer he continues to to have the label going. I don't know he has a family going on and and he's got a kid now and stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure. We haven't really talked much about it, but I really hope they continue to w- with what they're doing. They're they're doing great work, and uh, e- even if they were to just say, "Hey, we're gonna stop making records," like they have like an awesome catalog that will will put you back hundreds of dollars if you if you have a hole in your pocket and you're willing to just to support this awesome hip hop that they make truly, postpartum, awesome, love what they do, and from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much, uh, because you were the first label I've worked with, I've worked with numerous labels over the years, and you guys are the first to just, like, let me do what the fuck I want, and just, like, you know, not, not restrict me, not change the song, or change the beat out last minute, or, you know, you guys, like, really handle your business, And uh, you you guys are perfectionists, and so am I. And to have two people that share the similar viewpoints, similar uh, hobbies, interests, stuff like that. And when you come together on the same frequency, uh, and you just create beautiful art. And I wanted to make this like a piece of art. Like if you hold it in your hands and look at it, it doesn't look like an average record that you'll see... Uh, at the record store. Like, I go to the record stores quite often, and I'm looking... You know, because I'm a music head, you know, first and foremost. Like, yeah, I'm a huge collector. I have all different types of things, you know. But music is always going to be the foundation of my collection, of my personality, of my passions. So, I'm always going to the record stores and and looking. Um, whenever I have the funds to do so, you know, I always make it a, a frequent stop to check out some record stores, which I plan on doing so soon. But, uh... So, at the record store, I noticed a common trend with record labels and artists and producers alike where all the vinyl records have a really abstract cover. Usually some artwork of some abstract thing and there's no titles or anything or it's just a picture. It doesn't have to be artwork. It could be just a photo of some abstract thing where there's no titles, you don't know who what it is or what it's about. The the album art does not reflect the actual contents of the music itself. Um it's kind of like a new trendy thing that people are doing. So I kind of wanted to jump on the bandwagon and do the same thing, but I wanted the image to just grab you in and just like suck you in like oh shit, this looks heavy. Like what the fuck? Like and it makes a bold statement as soon as you see it. And if you look really close you'll see that teardrop. Um I mean <laughs> thank you to postpartum. I don't want to disclose too much of the, the the business logistics of what we do, you know, but like man, just to have that teardrop, that shit was expensive as fuck. And, you know, when you're dealing with pressing plants, you know, when you're pressing an album and you're it's come it's coming it's coming time to get your quote And they quote you, well, would you like your album cover to be black and white or full color, right? And obviously the full color is, like, way more expensive than just getting a black and white. Some labels even just cheap out, and I'm not going to mention who. They're a pretty popular underground record label. But uh, for the most part, they just put out a white cover, 12-inch, with a little image on the side of the record in black and white. Uh, And it just doesn't look nice. It doesn't look good. But postpartum spares no expense. And they go all out and they truly try to meet the artist's vision and um, really deliver. And they spare no expense. So, you know, having that teardrop, which is a tiny bit of fucking color, you know, we had to pay for the full color. Just for the the teardrop. So I I didn't want to be a dick. So I was like, you know what, the three photos in the back, we could probably put those in color just to you could get a little bit of your money's worth. Um but I, I wanted the pictures in color too. Uh we we did press a black and white variant and um I feel the co- the color looks better. So yeah. I mean, we're doing variants of different things and uh it's really it's really awesome because we even have variants of the obi strip too. So Shout out Mr. Crumb, by the way. Mr. and Mrs. Crumb. Um, I don't know you guys personally, but we do have mutual friends. And, uh, I know you guys do a lot of design work for a lot of popular artists in the in the rap industry, in the music biz. And, um, I really hope you enjoyed uh, working on this project. And, uh, I, I know that you, like, reposted a photo or something and, like, my the album was in there. So I really appreciate it. So thank you. Um... But yeah, let's talk about uh, who's on here, and then we'll go down the list of the songs and disclose some of the process behind it, you know. Um, yeah, so we got uh, six tracks, which is like 22 minutes of of my songs, and then side B is the instrumentals. And that's one way we made this project work, because Postpartum is strictly a beat-making label. I'm not a beat-maker by any means. I mean, I have made beats in the past. I know how to do it if you you know, show me, you know, the program, and, and I watch a few YouTube videos, I can I can make a decent beat, but it's not my thing, it takes too much time for me, and I'd rather just, like, write the song and, and work with another producer, because it's just more convenient. But I always co-produce my stuff, like, you don't just give me a beat, and I rap on it, and that's it, like, I'm changing things, I'm telling the producer, hey, can you change this, or can you put this, or arrange it this way? maybe change the intro to the outro, swap them out, maybe, you know, I'm a, I'm a very post-edit-minded artist, and I co-produce, like, all my stuff, and, um, it's very hard, because I'm a very perfectionist, and I have a vision, and, uh, I don't let people get over on me, and, because I'm a Virgo, and, uh, September 12th, by the way, and, um, people I work with, is mostly, like, a friendship-based relationship, I don't have, like, business relationships in music, maybe here and there, but, uh, usually people that I work with, it's a collaborative effort, and these are people that are that I've been cool with for years and built relationships with. So that's why Never Die Easy is such like a gem because it's like a fine wine. Uh, it took many years to build relationships with some of the people on this record, and uh, sometimes you know you could sit on a beat or a couple beats from these guys, and and just put them out, and you've had them for like four or five years. Which was which was kind of the case on on this album. This album is like fine wine. It took a long time to really craft, um, and we got the two versions. We got the um, the black one hundred and eighty gram for the audiophile listeners and the vinyl enthusiasts, and then we have the red vinyl version for like DJs who like to scratch and cut up. So there's a little variance there. That's a common theme with postpartum is that they they put out different variants and different colors and uh, really beautiful work and. This album is so special to me because it has different producers on it. Usually when I do an album it's with one producer and it's just so much easier. But this album, you know, you got to do micromanaging and yeah, so let's see the rundown here. So track 1, Higher Elevation, produced by Morlaco Plus. Uh Morlaco Plus is a producer from Berlin, Germany, but he's also a rap artist as well. He's very popular in Germany uh he his, he goes by the name of Morlock Dilemma right and uh Morlacco Plus is kind of like his alter beat making ego and he puts on a mask and like you know he'll do you uh, know he'll do concerts and like live beat shows and stuff uh under that name and Uh, Morlock Dilemma, I got introduced to him through Brink Sinatra, which is uh, another artist on this album. We'll we'll talk about it uh, when we get to his track. But uh, I got introduced through Brink, I guess. Brink gave me a beat, and then I recorded over it. And then, I guess, uh, he sent beats to Morlock as well. But I guess Morlock liked the one... That I used or something, and wanted that one, but then he's like, "Oh, well, I already gave it away." Uh, maybe if you could talk to him, he could have you hop on as a remix or or something. So he linked us up, and like we we're really cool, and like um, the rest is history. Uh, he gave me this beat like years ago, like, like four or five years ago, something like that. And uh, for this project, I like I hit the booth and did a fresh track out of this gem. And I had the idea of the song partially written in my mind when I took a trip to Colorado, and uh, I was on the mountains there in Rocky Mountains, and like, you know, I was like, I was euphoric, I was like, I was high off the the medical there. I got really good stuff, and I'm on the mountain, and I'm like, man, is this the highest man could possibly go? Is this the height of of what it could be? You know, I'm I'm high euphorically. I'm high physically. I'm up in the mountains. Is this real? Is this reality? Is there something greater than this? Uh, I saw a video of uh, some PBS documentary or something where it was like a Native tribes and Native uh, Native American tribes in the United States reservations, like what they their their traditions today and like what they still believe in today. And they're talking a little bit about like not to get too esoteric on this, but they were talking a little bit about how like tobacco was never meant to be abused. It was meant to be sort of like a ritualistic thing where you pass the pipe to to, to make peace with people and you smoke it and you're praying and smoking because the smoke delivers a visible breath to the heavens which carries on your prayer message to the higher uh, divinity to the to the heavenly realm or celestial realm right and uh it's very spiritual so uh higher elevation is just super esoteric you know um it's not just about like being high it's about like also like being high like on the mountain um being a a higher state of consciousness higher state of being is there something more than this sort of like a reach for the stars just super esoteric super super heady uh very stoner friendly as well just an anthem you know uh, track two, Lethal Dosage, uh, shout out DJ Lethal, um, he's a producer from back in the day, he he was a producer and group member of House of Pain, and also the DJ for the new metal band, uh, NU, not, not new, but that's a, that's a subgenre of metal, new, new metal, which combines heavy metal with rap influences, so they were a big new metal band of the early 2000s, and, uh... I remember seeing these guys on stage doing, like, really wild shit as a kid, like, like, Cancun, Spring Break, like, MTV shit, like, they're doing, like, the theme song for Mission Impossible, and then, like, Buddy's on stage screaming into the mic, and there's, like, a detonator, and then he, like, after he's done, he, like, presses down the detonator, and there's, like, a fucking boat that just, like, explodes, and I I thought that was just, like, the most bugged out, wild shit ever, and, like, I was like, man, I would love to, like, do that one day, or, or be that one day, or, like... I don't know, so it's weird how things end up. And uh, now you know, DJ Lethal, like, you know, he gave me mad props on the song. He's like, man, he's like, damn, you spit that fire, homie. Like, you know, just to hear that, like, it really meant a lot, and I appreciated it. And um, he really, he really hooked me up because he, I'm a old school homie. He told me, don't tell nobody. You know what I mean? Like, he like really blessed me, and uh, man, much respect. And uh, how we linked up was weird. Uh shout out to our mutual friend in Hollywood Blake. Um and I met him when I was with, when I met Riff Raff at Sub T like we're hanging out at the alleyway back there smoking and shit and uh Blake is there and then me and Blake start talking and then um then he moved to Hollywood and then we stayed connected on social media and then uh he, he like posted I think DJ Lethal posted a picture of him together in the studio with Blake. And then, like, I, I I liked it or something, and then, like, I guess Blake saw that I liked it, and then he messaged me, like, hey, man, I know you're an old-school hip-hop head, like, I could probably link you guys up, sure sure enough, like, Lethal email me, and then, you know, the rest is history, so, uh, big shout-out to Lee, man, and uh, when he whipped that up for me, uh, I told him, like I, like, I want some old-school shit, I want some shit that sounds like, you know, uh, Truth, Cru- Truth Crush Till Earth Shall Rise Again album era, because that's one of my favorite hip-hop albums of all time. Just the production on that album is so seamless. And I always wanted to emulate that. Uh, Born Dead was a big emulation uh, of the seamlessness and the 13-track album. And just, um, I- I've always wanted just to work with this guy subconsciously. It wasn't on my producer list or my bucket list or anything by any means. But like in the back of my mind, man, I was like always like, man, that album is so sick. I would love to have a beat like from that era. And I finally got one. You know, he whipped up the old MPC-60 for me. And he pulled out the session files from back in the day. And uh, you're hearing a true gem from Lee. A Lee Banger exclusive. So, big shout out to to Blake, Riff Raff, Lethal, man. Uh Track 3, Lounge Static, produced by Darren Neal from Dublin, Ireland. Um, Darren is not like a, a known producer or anything by any means. Uh making beats is kind of like a hobby to him. um he's just my friend my my pen pal friend whom I met on like Soundcloud or something, and like he just put beats out there, and like we've been cool for mad years, mad years and just now, finally, he's making his first debut on my project, and to me that's awesome like that's rare shit and um the reason why he's got two placements on here is one he's my friend and two. The, the tracks that he both produced they sound like they need to be together in an album. Like I didn't feel right separating them, you know? Like I feel like they should both be on the same project, you know, so um yeah, Darren's my homie for mad years and like I said, we just now put this out and, and Darren helps me behind the scenes a lot, um, putting stuff together, collecting my my media files and uh he he does the audio for me now, mixing and mastering and uh, he produced a new album for me. We have a new album already finished that will be coming out early next year, first quarter for sure. Next year, maybe possibly the end of this year, but I doubt it. It's looking more like uh, the end, uh, the early next year. I have a project I will put out this year, uh, possibly in September, if everything goes to plan. So, yeah, and I got a uh, guest feature on there, Mr. Gene Pool. Uh, from the Twin Cities, uh from the group Dino Spectrum. He also made some appearances on, on atmosphere stuff and uh he had a group back in the day uh, in the Twin Cities called Full Circle and just this huge Midwest uh Minneapolis hip hop head uh, artist. Um, you know, over there in Minneapolis and Saint Paul they're very funky and they have a certain sound and I, since a young since a young teenager, you know, I, I was a huge rhyme Sears fan and atmosphere fan. Um, and, and Dino Spectrum, and just and so that whole scene, they were making, like, really dope hip-hop in the early 2000s, and they would always do shows in Chicago, and the shows were always really good, and I always kept coming back and coming back, and, um, nowadays, I, I know they, they're doing different things musically, and they're experimenting, and there's different acts and stuff like that, I've kind of fell out of the scene, but, um, ironically enough, I was on Facebook, I was friends with Gene Pool for, like, hella years, and then, like, I posted something, and then he liked it. And then I'm like, oh, shit. Is this gene Pool? And so, like, I hit him up, and, like, I reached out to him. And, like, he needed beats. And I was like, well, I got you on some beats if you want to hop on my new project. He's like, dude, all day. So that is the fucking homie. We We talk on the phone, and, like, we talk about real deep shit, spiritual shit, life shit. Like, that's the fucking homie, like... For real, like, that's the homie. And he is making a new appearance on me and Darren's album next year. And uh, I linked him up with Darren, so him and Darren have been working on stuff. And uh, hopefully you guys can hear that shit someday. I I want to hear it, so... Big shout-out to Mr. Gene Pool who also has uh, another feature on track five. So, yeah, real big up. And uh, really easy to work with. He sends me tons of verses and tells me you know edited and and take out what you want keep what you want and i'm just like dude i'm just going to take out maybe like the intro and just leave the rest or i'm just going to let you do your thing and i'll just hop on the at the end and i'll do my thing at the end and like it's like yeah man that's cool so um yeah i just let him do his thing i just let the ogs do their thing man you know what i'm saying i just let them rock i just let them get busy and uh it's not all about me man i like i like helping out people i support people i fuck with and giving back to the community and giving back, you know, hip-hop is real deep, man. And, uh, much respect. Uh, Penny, track four. Um, the concept of this one, you know, the last two tracks, two and three, they're not really, there's no really concept. It's just bars. But track four, it, there is a, a little concept to it. It's called Penny because I feel like, um, like, for instance, I'm, I'm looking at a Penny right now. There's one on the table. Um, you know, Abraham Lincoln, one of the most amazing historical figures of the United States, of Illinois in particular, and and throughout the world, you know, he's a truly, uh, remarkable character, a figure in history, and look at he's on the lowest common denominator, uh, penny, right? Like, that doesn't equate to me. Yeah, yeah, there's theories that he's on the penny because, like, he helped free the slaves, or tried to, or whatever, there's different theories, but, like, you know, for real, he's the fucking penny, come on, man, this guy's Abraham Lincoln, dude. Like, that's a disgrace, you know? Like, I, I don't even fucking use pennies. I just throw them out. Like, I don't even... Like, you need a hundred for a dollar. Like, it's just not worth it. And I have more respect for Abraham Lincoln than that. And, you know, there's a, f- a cliche quote that they say, pennies for my thoughts, you know? So, and you always hear things like pinching pennies, and, you know, you hear you hear the term penny in different cliche sayings um, that that we say... And, you know, I feel like thoughts are priceless. Your intellectual property, it could be worth millions, billions. You know, there's no cap on your your intellect, on your thoughts, on your ideas, on your passions. How can this be pennies? You know, pennies for my thoughts. You know, it's kind of like a joke. Like, I laugh at it. You know? So, I, I the the goal and concept of the song is that, you know, our thoughts are worth more than just mere pennies. Uh, just more pennies, like you know, when they give you like a couple cents for every stream or whatever, it's the same thing. You know, my music, my art is priceless. Why is it being sold for next to nothing? And that's the dichotomy of art, because different forms of art is is different. Like for instance, you know, music you can't see it, you can only feel it and experience it, and everyone has their own different interpretation of what they think it means to them, right? But a painting is a little bit more like outline like here's the image you figure out what the image means to you but this is what the image is and to make a painting might cost you like a couple hundred dollars on paints or in the canvas and whatever and you could sell it for a million dollars at auction right like a like a basquiat picasso whatever and it probably costed them like a couple hundred dollars to make music can, can if you're like there's bands out there like really rich and successful bands who've who've dumped millions and millions of dollars on an album only to sell it for 15 dollars, 10 dollars, stream it for free. It, it, like people do it. Like people spend millions of dollars on music, on creating the the music, on the studio equipment, on the monitors, on the software, on the production equipment, on the whatever. People are spending Thousands to hundreds of thousands, two millions of dollars to give it away for free, next to nothing. It's so ass backwards. And I really wanted to, you know, make an artistic statement that my thoughts are worth more to me than than, than anything in the world. You know, a caveman, you know, he wanted to express his artistic statement so much that he's putting blood on the, on the wall, on the cave wall, you know, to make his art. You have to sacrifice everything for your art. Even if you spent all your money and you only have pennies to your name. If you invested it on your art to better your art, to better yourself, it's worth it. So that's the goal. And that's my philosophy. I've sacrificed everything and then some for music and and for my art. And uh, there's no excuses. So, uh, produced by Brink Sinatra... He's a a very popular producer in Austria as well as Germany, Uh, very notable for his work with MC8 and DJ Premier, and tons of of artists he works with, right? Some mainstream, some mainstream in those markets in Europe, some more underground, just an eclectic mix. Um, Him and his wife are really cool people, Uh, you know, we've been friends for a while, so it was nothing to be like, "Hey man, can we use that song?" That I I mean, I didn't even have to ask him. I just fucking used it cuz like I'm just going to mail him a gift package anyway and he'll he'll be cool with it. You know, that's our relationship like like I'll I'll send him goodies like just like stuff from the collection or like he's a collector too, you know, and like I like what he likes. He likes what I like. We're both on the same on the same wave, you know what I mean? So like like, I'll send him care packages with random goodies and, like, he'll send me beats and, like, that's the homie. And, uh, I really appreciate him and I, I got a lot of love for him. And, uh, yeah, man. So, uh, Brank, he produced Penny for me. And, uh, we have a bunch of tracks. Like, not a whole bunch, but we'll probably have, like, you know, six, seven songs that we've done. We'll probably put them out later, eventually. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But, uh... I'll probably do a compilation after after I'm done with these next two albums, and I'll probably throw in a few of our tracks on there uh, eventually. Um, But, yeah, he is uh, a really dope producer. He has a very, like, West Coast to, like, Midwestern Detroit J. Dilla sound. It's kind of like a true school to to J. Dilla. So him and Darren have very uh, complimentary backgrounds and like they were both fans of Dilla and Madlib and shit like that. So um I felt like in sequence their beats go together. And um yeah man, Brank is a cat that uh, we got introduced. Very weird like um I long time ago, hella years ago, I was on MySpace doing networking and I came across a Facebook profile that had like beats and it had a weird profile picture with like a door with nothing but stickers and, like, tagged graffiti on it. So, like, I added this person, reached out, hey, I'm a rapper, you make beats, check out my work. And then this cat, uh, started making beats. Shout out to Lucas. Um, but, uh, you know, we're we're not as cool anymore, but, like, sometimes, you know, once a year, I'll, I'll like, reach out or he'll reach out, say hi. But, uh, you know, when we were cool and shit, you know, he had some personal problems that he had to deal with, and, um you know sometimes you have to like disconnect to grow and like you know there's no hard feelings man i I fuck with everybody still but uh you know lucas was making beats for me on germany and uh he would always tell me man like you gotta work with this cat that i know he he, when i used to live in vienna i used to know this cat who made beats and like man dude you and him would be dope you and him would be dope um but like they weren't really cool like brank and luke kind of like fell out and, like, there's something that happened at a party that happened. And some drunk shit happened. Whatever. But, like, him and Luke were, like, weren't in, like, the best of terms or whatever. So, Luke was just like, man, I'm just going to email him and email him. And, hopefully, he'll read it eventually. And, like, I guess Luke emailed him a song that we did. Um, and I guess Brink really liked it. And was like, fuck it. Send me his info. We'll, we'll, we'll work together. We'll link up. Whatever. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history, man. Um, so shout-out to Lucas. I don't know where you're at now. I think you're still in Germany last time I talked to you, uh, late last year. I uh, hope you're doing well. But, yeah, man, thank you for connecting me with bro and, and, uh, unintentionally making history and being a part of this. Because if I never would have linked with you, I never would have linked with him. And then he would have never been on this project. So, yeah, truly a gem, man. Truly a gem. So, Big ups, big ups. Um, such a long time, track five, again, the Darren beat. Um not not really conceptual, but you know, it's kinda has has a theme like uh making a reintroduction, making a statement, like, hey, I'm back. You know, I'm sorry for the wait. Here you know, you know, and I know Gene Pool. has had some pent up uh lyrics and bars that he wanted to get off his chest, so it's really cool to just to hear him spit, man. He's just just keeps spitting. His flow is crazy, and he's all over the place, and he's just spitting and spitting and spitting. And uh, I really hope the hip-hop boom-bap heads really dig that. You know, that bass is just smacking. Um, yeah, and then uh, Puppet Master is produced by DJ Sadu. Our project should be coming out in September. Uh, another one of my brothers who I have so much love for. Um, I know some personal things happened on, on his life where that he had to take care of and music wasn't on the forefront of his mind and musically he was changing styles more electronic more abstract he wanted to do more photography so we're kind of we're kind of like you know splitting our passions we're kind of he kind of went that way i kind of went my way uh he's still my brother for life and i have so much respect for Sadu uh he's helped me do so much he's helped me with my website my videos my i mean this guy man i have i can't i can't thank him enough for everything he's done for me so, I have really no qualms about like him you know going his own different way musically you know he he's getting into more classical and musical scores and and things like that and composing and uh I support everything he does, man. How I linked up with him was i was, it was like four a m on Facebook or something, and some Facebook page posted a video he did he does animation videos which got like millions of views on YouTube about like the solar system and weird things and like he had a video that they posted. Some page reposted it about like the solar system being a vortex, and I played it, and like the beat was crazy. And then like I, I hit him up on YouTube, like Yo, man, this beats crazy. Check out my videos, and then the rest is history. And this was years and years ago, and uh, I was like, man, you know this ain't right. I need a sadu project. This this track was actually fucking plucked from our album that it's gonna come out this year. Uh, I felt that the track didn't fit the vibe like it, it it was made for the album but it, it kind of musically and sonically didn't fit you know because our album is going to be a little bit more electronic so this album is a little bit more boom boom bap oriented more old school so i was like you know what let me pluck this from our album and i'll i'll put it for never die easy to close it out and it'll be the it'll round out the album and that was that was kind of my goal and uh yeah man and then uh, i would like to go through the DJs. Um, I know uh, track one and six, um, we got cuts by Sir Rex, uh, which is a, a DJ out in Hamburg, uh, and he's also a graffiti writer, really, really talented graffiti writer. Um, track two, we got Drew Dollars from Philly. Uh, he did all the early Jedi Mind Tricks records. Um, I think he did like the first three or first four or something like that, but he did uh, all, all the early stuff, man. Um, Violent by Design, Legacy of Blood. Uh, visions of gandhi so all the classic stuff and he was their tour dj for all those years and uh just like a really cool guy man like we uh, networked with him through a mutual friend on facebook from wisconsin shout out chad uh shout out miss miss beats in milwaukee um he linked us up and the rest is history man and uh yeah i I don't know if he's still you know cool with uh the jedi camp or what have you that's none of my concern it's none of my business you know but um the homie just happened to be available, and he happened to, to do the cuts, and, and and he showed love, and you know I show love to people who show me love, bro. Simple as that. So if you want to be a part of it and work with me, and you're about your shit, and you're professional, and you actually put in the work, then shit, you you get the placement. And uh, big shout out to Drew Dollars, man, for sure. Um, shout out to DJ Obsolete, he did the cuts on track number five. Uh, such a long time. Uh, DJ Obsolete, uh, I really dug his album that he put out with Postpartum, and I know he's got a few records out from different various labels that do lo-fi hip-hop and stuff like that, he's really making a name for himself, and, uh, all his drops look really dope, and to see him grow is just awesome, and I'm really glad to have him a part of, uh, you know, my album, I know I did, like, a verse for him or a song for him in exchange, like, you know, he did the cuts, and I think it worked out great, I hope, uh, hopefully he'll drop the track we did, uh, I think it was dope, um, but yeah, man, uh, really, really dope to have him on there, big shout out to DJ Obsolete on Germany, and uh, yeah, let's get into uh, the mixing and mastering and all that jazz, uh, Stem Mixing and Mastering by Stero One, Stero One. Uh, Mike, his name is Mike, out in Vienna, Austria, stop Audio Engineering. The guy is a fucking, like, guru when it comes to vinyl mastering and, and sound. Um, he's mastered, like... I want to say, like, over 150 vinyl records or, like, something crazy like that. Like, he, he's mastered, like, so many vinyl records. Like, like he's, his mastering credits are, like, ridiculous. And, like, he just... He could be blindfolded, half asleep, half dead. Ha- he could be in a fucking coma and, like, he'll still know how to master that shit to perfection. And cuz he knows what it sounds like, he has the experience and you can't buy that experience. I mean, yeah, you could. You might pay for a good uh, mastering engineer who's done a couple records here and there, but like this guy's uh resume, you know, his discography is so massive that like it's just a no-brainer, you know, and he was really cool, a hip-hop head. Uh he was a big fan of this project and he he put a lot of love into it cuz he was a fan of the project. Really wanted to be a part of it, you know, uh Morlock and Brank are big influences on him, and he really wanted to you know give his give his best on it and uh he's an awesome guy, me and him had talks about like audio engineering and vinyl and um all kinds of stuff, man, and uh he's a very awesome guy, and I hope one day we get to work again and uh yeah man he's 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 got beats too, he makes beats as well, really cool cat man out in Vienna, so so much respect to Mike man. For real. Um, yeah, man, that pretty much sums it up. You know, I I have shared uh, producer ownership uh, with uh, myself and Mario. Uh, I felt it was only right to add him on there. I could have been a dick and just put, like, myself. Uh, but, no, it's a team effort. He had his team, and without his team, him and his team, uh, things wouldn't have been made. Without mine my team, things wouldn't have been possible as well so it's truly a group effort you know there's no i team um i i have no problems adding him to uh the producer credit cuz it, it it really was me and him who made all this possible no one else and uh as far as the photography goes i did that myself um i'm i'm also like a freelance photographer as well um i take really good photos i'm not going to lie i it's something i'm passionate about i've been doing it for years since a kid i've been Fucking with cameras since a small kid, you know, taking photos of random shit. And, um, you know, I I have a camera. I usually do all my own uh, video stuff, photo stuff, or, like, I'll work with someone. But I'm I'm very hands-on in my art. Like, I, all aspects I try to take part in. And so I was like, man, you know, people. I was going to get artwork from this person or some graphic design work from this person. But, like, you know, waiting around for people, I was just like, you know what? I have an image in my head. Let me try to go execute it. And it's just this freedom you get behind the lens. Uh, It's just, uh, for like a few minutes of a snapshot, like, the world doesn't exist. And it's just you and the image in front of you. And it's just a very uh, tranquil, very peaceful, meditative sort of hobby that I really enjoy, actually. And uh, I like to experiment with it more in the future. But, uh, yeah, the photo I did myself, uh, where I live, there's a cemetery here that has really beautiful... Uh, statues, and mausoleums, and very rustic, and Victorian, and gothic, and a v- very beautiful cemetery here. There's a few uh, movies that were filmed at that cemetery, actually. Uh, I know one of them was like the the Nightmare on Elm Street that came out like five, six years ago or something. It flopped, but like, I remember watching them filming the movie there, and I was like, you know what, this is, this is kind of cool. So yeah, and then... uh the the artwork like i said you know i i also had a little bit of help the photo the photo that in the middle my friend kevin helped me cuz i'm not going to take a photo of myself yeah there's a timer and stuff like that but i don't like that shit uh so for that for the photo of myself in the middle i had my friend help me but um yeah all the photo work was done by me and uh the photo you know it was meant to show you that like there's still some life left just because you think you're old it's over you're down and out you're you're done there's always something you could do. There's always still you gotta still have some life left, man. And that's why you see the blood coming down because you know it shows you that you know the crying tears of blood. You know, like not to get religious, but like you know, kind of that that Bible story where you hear like Jesus cried tears of blood and stuff. And uh, and also I'm an anime head too, and like um, you know Naruto, the Shining Gun and stuff. But none of that stuff was in my head when I when I put the teardrop in there. I just I just knew that it would look like so cold blooded. To have a stone statue. Because you know they have that cliche quote. You know blood from a stone. So I wanted to incorporate that cliche. Into the artwork. And so it's like a stone statue figure. And it looks like a partially decayed. Weathered. For for however long it's been there. Probably like dozens of years. To a hundred years whatever. But you know. You're still seeing that little blood. Coming down. To show that there's still some life left inside. There's still some fight left in the dog and to never give up, and that's why on the red vinyl, you know, the, the, the actual LP itself, the record, you know, it's, it's red, you know, the symbolize the blood that I've sacrificed for my art, and I really wanted this to be like a priceless work of art, uh, maybe not everyone gets it at first, my music is uh, very food for thought based, a lot of information, a lot of content, he- like very content heavy, uh, a lot to digest and, and disseminate and it, it's going to take numerous listens to break down and stuff like that. You won't get it at first and it's not for everybody. And I kind of just like wanted to make this album really rare and limited edition. And I just wanted to just like sneak it out there. I know we have uh distributors like vinyl digital, big shout out to vinyl digital over in Germany for helping, uh, promote this and, uh, different record labels like dig around and stuff in Japan. And, uh, so we just kind of like, you know, found a distributor that worked best. And, uh, We just put it in different record stores in different countries, and it just popped up. And I'm kind of all about that pop-up shop shit. Like, I'm really big on the Um, pop-up. Because I feel like art can last forever, yes. And art should be made to last forever if it's preserved. But true art is there in a moment, and it's gone. And then it's rare, and everyone's paying top dollar for it. We kind of love that limited edition, rare, boutique rap aesthetic thing. And, uh, when, when I, when I make art, that's what I have in mind. It's super rare, super limited, you know, uh, if you can't afford the $30, you know, my bad, you know, but, you know, you, f- you can hit me up personally and Hey, Hey Jay, I'm a big fan. Uh, know, I can't afford the 30. Can you, sl- can you send me a download code or something? You just hit me up. You know, I got you. Like, you know, I'm not Martin Shkreli with the, with the, with the, <laughs> with the medicine, you know what I mean? Like, I'll really give it to you. So you know, you can just download it, you can stream it, it's on YouTube, I mean, someone leaked it on YouTube, I mean, like, it's not really a big deal, man, music is meant for the universe, it's meant to be, you know, for the people, but, um, I really wanted to make something special for the vinyl heads, the vinyl enthusiasts, and so, you know, we really, uh, wanted to make this a truly special and rare piece for the collectors to have, and just something that they could cherish, man, and just having their collection, and, um, I, I know, uh, Different people wrote me when when they purchased it and said, "Hey, I wanna I wanna display this in my 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 music room or uh, right next to my turntables. I'm a DJ. Can you sign it for me and things like that? And it's such a great great uh, feeling. Just to know that they appreciate it, the the art for what it is, and they see it. They see your vision for what it is, and that's a good feeling. So big shout out to Germany, big shout out to France, big shout out to Japan, to Korea, the UK." um, everywhere, man, I really appreciate all the love and support, um, this is my third and final appearance, but it's my, my first of, of my own, so I really, I, I just wanted to make it special, man, I wanted to make it, um, classic, I just wanted to make it boom bap, I wanted to make it easy on the ear, I wanted to make it a little funky, a little edgy, but also very jazzy and very warm. And um, the mastering engineer, Mike, uh, he totally got the same feeling I did. And he totally met my vision. Um, You know, me and the producers, we did our own mixes. He took it, uh, grouped some of the tracks, and took our mix, and then like sort of did a little bit of fine-tuning and tweaking on his end, and and then did a master. And then, like, this is a collaboration of tons of people, and... Uh, really masters of their crafts, different masters, all coming together and just uh, flexing their techniques. And this is truly a work of art that wouldn't be wouldn't have been possible without everyone's participation. So I'd like to thank you. And uh, big shout out to uh, my other producer homies. Uh, shout out Grim Reapers. I'm featured on their uh, album, their vinyl. Um, big shout out to DJ Locut out in France as well. I'm featured on on his vinyl. Uh, big shout-out to all these guys, man. Shout-out to Darren, Brank, uh DJ Sadu, all the DJs. Um, and uh, shout-out to the Felix guy, too, the The guy who did the graphic design work on putting together the album. Uh, he, he's a good graphic designer. Uh, we, we didn't always meet eye-to-eye uh, eye on some of the artistic expressions, but we did find common ground, and uh, I would still like to thank him. He did a good job. And, uh, yeah, man, that's Never Die Easy on Postpartum. I really hope you listen to it enjoy it, play it back-to-back, fucking smoke to it, have a sip of cognac, have a craft beer, an IPA or something, um, you know, have, have a smoke, um, cigar, what, whatever it is, man, it's chill back lounge music, you know, um, cigar and, and, and whiskey or whatever. It's classy shit, man, you know, pinky up. That's that's the goal, man, and uh, it's it's gonna stand the test of time, and uh, I'm really I'm really positive that this album is gonna be respected as uh, a hip hop classic. Uh, if not now, then maybe ten years from now, maybe twenty years from now, someone's gonna find this or it's gonna be like three hundred dollars on on Craigslist or fucking Discog, whatever the fuck. Like I, I really hope that this is high art and people see it as such. And uh, I'm really thankful to be a part of it. And I got more albums coming. More different projects and endeavors coming. It's just, uh, life is just really crazy. And uh, it's not always about the perception. Sometimes it's reality. Sometimes uh, personal things get in the way. And uh, there's different deadlines. And plans fall through. And uh, it's very hard to make a project like this. I challenge anyone to do it. To this caliber. Um, It's just too much money, too much time. I mean, you're looking at like 600 euros alone just for that fucking teardrop. (laughs) I mean, good luck. I mean, um, thousands and thousands of dollars and, and thousands of hours of man hours of just building, networking, and collectively assembling all the different working pieces and components to this mosaic puzzle. And it was a really fun experience. And so I would like to end off this podcast with a quote. Let me pull up the quote here. It's in my email. Okay. Got it loading here. Okay. This... Is a quote from H. Spencer Lewis, uh, one of the found uh, the founder of the Rosicrucian Order, uh, Amork. Quote: The mystic knows only too well the value and danger, the goodness and the evil that lies in the power of mentally creating. We know that if we hold in our minds a picture and give it the vibrations of living possibility, and if we prophetically proclaim that it is to be or will be, we bring it about. We create it in the world of actuality, by transferring it from the world of reality to material manifestation. We know that as each hour of the day passes, the things which we have held in our imagination, and which we now allow to pass into the chamber of mental alchemy, are likely to be crystallized immediately in earthly form. We must, therefore, be pure-minded. We must be pure and holy in our imaginary concepts. We must keep the chamber of mental alchemy so clear and so wholesome and of such a high standard that no evil thought, no evil admission, no unholy concept of our earthly imagination may take form there and grow and be born in the world of actuality. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Hope you guys are doing well. Drive safe. Eat your vegetables. And uh, keep your nose clean. Stay golden, Pony Boy. Jay Merck signing out.